Hello, and welcome everyone to this conversation on the leading edge. This is Cindy Silva, your host, and I'm here and happy to be here today with Stefan Bright and Robert Potter. We're here having a conversation about the material known as Letters from 500. I'm very excited to be holding space for this conversation and making more people available and aware of what wants to be known and integrated into our lives right now regarding a topic that's interesting to me in particular about the genetic mutation of the species. I've been tracking a prophecy for a number of years through the human design system and gene keys and other other visionaries pointing at this same type of transition that we as humanity are in. And when I came across the Letters from 500 material, it was speaking directly to some of the insights that I've been receiving myself. And so I was inspired to reach out to the author. And um, in doing so, I got to meet his publisher, Stefan. And I'm so happy that they're open and receptive and approachable and willing to be here and and hold space for a conversation. So welcome both of you, Robert and Stefan. Would you like to say hello? Hello. Hello. How are you? <laughs> Good to be Doing here with good. you, Cindy. Thank you, Stefan. I'll, I'll just share a little bit about Stefan and then we'll... Um, also bring Robert forward. Uh, Stefan has been a seeker I've, for many years. I see you've been studying and practicing meditation for nearly 50 years. Um, you're a professional photographer since 91, an advertising media producer since 1971, uh, recording engineer and record producer, and you majored in theater in college, and you have just a really uh, beautiful, well-rounded background. And so it's a pleasure to have you here. I'll read just a little something I found in the first book, Letters from 500, that Robert had wrote in his acknowledgments. He says, Stefan arrived at just the right moment in the unfolding project. He hit the ground running and never let up. He fell in love with the material at once and has manifested a heart-centered vision of how it can move onward into the world, outward into the world. Additionally, Stefan has the skills and passion to get it done. So you're the right person for getting the material out there. Um, thank you so much for helping Robert make this available to the world, and I'd love to have you share a little bit about your experience in how you came to the material and uh, where you're at now in relationship to it as a blogger on lettersfrom500.com. Sure. Well, uh, very much like yourself, um, it was a matter of uh, inspiration and resonance. Um, my wife and I were living out in California at the time, uh, but we lived mostly on the East Coast. We had moved out to California. And we're back to the East Coast visiting uh, at a dinner party with uh, Robert and some friends in Philadelphia. Um, Robert and I have always, whenever we've been together, the uh, the conversation has always uh, been 
a bit ethereal. So uh, I was really happy to have an opportunity to be with him and all these people as well. After the dinner was over, uh, we were eating outside at someone's home, and they all went inside, and Robert and I were uh, left to our own devices, and we started to have one of those conversations again. Uh, actually, we were talking about ego, and uh, about 15 minutes into the conversation, Robert said, uh, oh, let me read you something that I've written, and he opened up his laptop and started reading from the manuscript, and I was just like, something had hit me in the chest. It was just so resonating. So I became excited. I said, what is that? He told me he, this was a manuscript. He was working on a book. And I said, can I have a copy of it? So he sent me a digital file. Uh, I returned to California. I uh, printed out the manuscript. It was about 300 pages. And I spent the weekend reading the whole thing. When I finished, I realized that uh, after all these years of seeking, uh, the book finally fell off the shelf to my feet. And um, I immediately went from the mind directly into the heart. And the one thing I understood about the book was it was information for me anyway uh, about what life really should be like in the most ideal sense and that we all had the capacity to achieve it if we went to the right space. And so I uh, said I'd love to blog this information, get it out to the uh, general public. And I started the blog uh, in 2009, and uh, I guess the rest is history. Uh, I have tried to been to bring inspiring uh pieces to the blog, not only about the book, but also things that I found that I thought were worthwhile for people to uh, investigate. And there's a lot of people out there that understand the concept of resonating to an idea. Um, and I think that's what the blog does most. It sends out a resonance that uh, brings people who are resonating on the same chord in and that's where we are now mm -hmm. and we found you that way so uh yeah it, it all works <laughs> that's my yeah. story in a brief yeah wonderful yeah it's like the tuning fork has been struck and all other tuning forks that tune to that vibration are being called. And that's what I felt like your role in bringing this book into a manifest form, uh, tangible, something that can anchor these messages, is really seeding a field of those who are called to these messages that resonate to acknowledge that they too perhaps have a version of themselves in another reality reaching towards them with the same kind of information preparing them for the changes that we're going through right now to help us see the bigger picture thank you stefan you're welcome i just want to make one other point before you go on to robert and that is i realized um that the imagination was something that was a uh, uh, really wonderful tool in bringing your authenticity to the fore. So in the past, as we grew up, we always thought that imagination was something that was not real. 
but it's actually an instrument and uh imagining the uh the beings that uh are our future selves uh it, you can actually have your own contact with them so it's it, it's like now you're not seeing uh your past lives but you're actually being able to see your future lives and uh it brings inspiration into the heart center and then helps you walk down the street uh with a better stance so there i am now mhm mm thank you for that and you, as you mentioned that the term future selves we're, we're going to talk about that in just a moment as i introduce robert but also to add my own little hit here intuitive hit about the future is that the future is really here now as robert says in these books over and over, um, but it's in a subtler reality. So when we're talking about future, it's the sensitives that are able to track the subtle dimensions that aren't yet in the physical awareness and to really prepare. That's the opportunity of our sensitivity provides is uh, the ability to track what's what's here in another dimension that's moving towards physical that we can create space for and redesign our structures to allow. And, yeah, just speaking of redesigning a structure, this is quite an experience for someone to go through and have a, a, a download of this proportion come into awareness. And it happened for Robert sitting on a beach and I'm going to have Robert come forward and tell his story in a moment. But I'd just like to read this short little paragraph out of the very back of the first book, Letters from 500. And this is written by the, the group of 12 that speaks, um, brings the letters to Robert. It says, uh, Robert lives quietly in a natural setting near Chester, Pennsylvania during the early 21st century. He's the person we have asked to transcribe our messages for your world and your time. His willingness to do so has not been without its difficulties and resistance, but we knew this would be the case coming in. He has performed well through it all, nevertheless. We chose him because of our shared soul path and because he's actually put in many lifetimes as a seeker of this message. He alerted us as to his willingness to participate before he was born. Now, we are here together in this project, this destiny. For our part, we are a group of 12 beings living 500 years from your time who are charged with the mission of alerting you to the great adventure that lies ahead for all. And this great adventure they're referring to, they're also referring to it as the great storm. And certainly we all are feeling the pressure of the acceleration of time and the changing of paradigms in our our culture, our worldview. And it's really with um, a great sense of um, appreciation I have, and I know that word is a, a big factor in this great change that Robert has been willing to come forward and be accessible um, with our questions today and to share his experience. And so thank you, Robert, for saying yes to this invitation, and we'd love to hear from you. 
Well, thank you, Cindy. What a great introduction and wonderful to hear from you and Stefan as well. Um, I have to say that I'm sitting here in front of my computer screen and that it's shifted to the desktop uh, or the um, a screensaver. And it's a, uh, a comet-like rainbow that has strands weaving all across and the white light is in the center of it. And it just seems so appropriate right now to be looking at that image uh, moving around my screen randomly. But there, uh, there seem to be so many streams that come together to a point. And we, I, I think we all are living in a time when we're at that point. We can't really predict what's happening, what's going to happen. Uh, it's hard enough to know what has already happened behind us. But this image to me is just capturing it. And I, I feel like I'm right at that point when I write the books as well. So I never know exactly what what's coming forward. And I don't know what I'm going to say today either. So here we are. But uh, thank you for welcoming me and thank you for reaching out and making this opportunity possible. Oh, you're very welcome. I want to read another little piece that comes out of the book, something that you wrote, Robert, and this was in August of 2009, so it's been some time since your first book was written. And here you say, My heart tells me there's something very powerful in these pages, a force that will, if given attention, awaken people to their own deepest appreciation. That is my sincere intention. In that light, I'm honored to be a vehicle for the words, and whatever gifts they may bring. Finally, now, there is one other remote possibility. As bizarre as it sounds, the book might actually be Letters from 500. So in this, really, you're revealing how um, astonishing this might sound to others that you can receive letters from a future civilization 500 years in the future, but it was equally, equally astonishing to you. And I wonder if you would want to share a little bit about your experience in, um, on the beach. Well, certainly. Uh, it was very relaxed situation, and I had no anticipation of, uh, of doing anything like this at that moment, but I I was sitting watching my friend be buffeted by the waves, uh, my friend Michael Lindy, and he uh, he's always been sort of a skeptic, and but uh, also a friendly skeptic, and he was willing to listen to a poem that I had written. So when he came out of the water, I, I recited the poem to him, and he nodded and made no comment, and just went back into the into the surf, and I sat there, and. Um, uh, I had this message that just came to me, uh, almost like words, that what if you got a letter from 500 years in the future? And it was such a delightful idea that I had not anticipated, and, and yet it felt so good. I mean, I was, I just, my energy in that moment was, um, of course, I'd love to, I mean, I would love to get such a letter, and, but I didn't say anything, I didn't really react I had a journal and I had written a poem in, and I was just sitting in the sand and I kind of almost automatically picked up the journal and started writing the letter the first letter that came and uh, it, uh, it went on for 12 pages as I recall 
and I, uh, I was uh, amazed and delighted and enjoyed the process thoroughly. And I remember the next day, I went to coffee. I love my morning espresso. And I uh, sat down with my journal again and just kept writing. It just kept flowing. And it seemed like every day after that, I just couldn't stop it. It was no, there was no um, difficulty in bringing these words. Now, I've always written every book that all of the seven books I have written uh, in a period of just five months. That, that's pretty remarkable to me. It, each one has begun on the first day of a month and ended on the first day of a month, five months later. So, and then that's the first draft. And then, and then I edit each one. Uh, for months after that, but still, uh, that's how they come through. And uh, to some people, that looks like channeling. I don't like to use that word because it has a lot of different meanings to a lot of different people. So I just refer to the muses bringing this information to me. Uh, so, but but it just it was irresistible. I couldn't stop writing. Uh, I have friends who write, and they tell me how difficult it is for them at times. These books have never been difficult. And, uh, I guess along those lines, I had been wanting to write. I have, I've been a writer all my life, but uh, I didn't have anything I wanted to write. So I was just kind of sitting in limbo, not knowing what to do with that urge when these books came along. And finally, I did have something to write, and that was so... Mm -hmm. Gratifying. Mm. Well, the group talks about, it says that you've been a seeker many lives and in this life, and I wonder if you could share a little bit about what led up to receiving that letter. What kind of things were you interested in or writing or studying or seeking? Obviously, it seems like it would be along the lines of consciousness. And Well, um what have I not studied is more like the question. I've been everywhere. <laughs> I've studied every religion, uh, every teacher who I found that I could respect. Uh, I've gone through a long list. Um, I, I would just highlight Alice Bailey's work and Helena Blavatsky. Um, and I was a student of Alice Bailey's uh, teachings in uh, what she called the Arcane School. I think it still exists in New York City for about seven years. And um, I got to the point where I just didn't want to study anymore in terms of books. Uh, so I broke off from that school, uh, even though I thought I, I highly value her work. Today, I think when I go back and reread those books, there are many volumes. I don't know how many. It seems like maybe uh, 25 or 30 that she produced. Uh, and uh, they're pretty dense. Uh, I think that you might even call them dated today, so I wouldn't necessarily refer people to them. However, that they're a great resource. If you have a question, for instance, um, last year or the year before, I had a question about bliss, the definition of bliss. Well, I, the, only, the place I went to immediately was not the Internet. I went to Alice Bailey, and she had a definition of uh, the many levels of bliss. And I had experienced bliss just before that, which prompted my question. And uh, I was actually told by the state of bliss that that's what this is. I wouldn't have labeled it that myself. Um, but but there in the book, it, it 
Alice Bailey described the first level of bliss, the lowest level, which is the one I had achieved. And uh, she went on to describe there were something like 11 or 12 other levels that she knew about. So uh, Alice Bailey was a big, big part of my background. But I hasten to say that also Eckhart Tolle has been a bright beacon in my consciousness uh, in recent years. And I could go on and mention many others. Mm-hmm. So you were you were aligned with the seeking of consciousness, and in that sense, it seems like that's what prepared you to land on the beach the day that you did with the, like you say, where all things sort of come together in a um, at the right moment, and something opened else opened up to you and it was the inquiry of a question and the possibility of that and as Stefan brought in the the component of imagination that created this opening and this portal for this information to stream through and you wrote it down and sat with it and um, it, it attracted to itself the interest of Stefan, someone who had the tools to bring it forward and publish it and and make it available to more people in recognition that it had that that kind of value. So I like to, yeah, just point at that in that information um, whose time has come, which just feels very, very timely right now, is um, making its way into consciousness. And it was funny because you and I had a recent um, exchange in emails where I was sharing how my metaphysical wisdom platform, which I've done interviews for on years, I had taken a sabbatical. And it was in reading your books that I decided maybe it's time to have another conversation and hold space again for interviews. And um, then I reached out to you and, and you said yes and it reminded me of the, the the intention of metaphysical wisdom was to make those who have information, the information and the people whose time has come, um, known. And you had just received this quote by Victor Hugo. It says, all the armies of the world cannot stop an idea whose time has come. And speaking of something whose time has come, you reference something called the big storm or it gets referenced in your writing through this group of 12. And the purpose for writing this book through you was to prepare humanity or make us aware of the changes that are happening that seem like a very destructive time, but it has its constructive purpose. And as I'd love for you to speak to that, both you and Stefan, and then uh, we'll open it up for questions from our listeners. Uh, Very good. Uh, Before I go any further, though, I want to also thank a dear friend of mine, Judy Welder in Asheville, who's been so helpful in helping me edit the books and and being supportive over the years uh, from the very beginning, from before the beginning. So, and and Mary Ann Tebbins, who is currently helping me in, and providing intuitive input. But the question of the great storm where, you know, that point that I'm seeing still on my screen uh, is um, 
it's a powerful experience. We're all feeling it. I don't know that very few people are escaping the feelings that are going on in the world and the planet today from all different directions. Uh, it's a time of change, and we've been seeing it uh, approach before the year 2012 when the Mayan calendar shifted. We were all alerted, uh, those of us who are paying that attention, to the likelihood of some big changes. And uh, I think it's only intensified over the last uh, 10 years or 15 years, or as my guides in the book tell me, it's like 70 years. And um, so we, we're kind of in the thick of it now. Uh, one of the books, um, I think it's number <laughs> number five, maybe. I can't remember the order, actually, but it's called Clearing the Storm. And uh, they talk about how there is a way through all this in a positive sense. But we have to experience uh, the storminess because that's what wakes us up. So that's, I think, where we are right now. We're, we're waking up in the midst of the storm of consciousness. Stefan? Mm-hmm. Well, uh, as you were saying that, I was just recalling my storm, my life storm, and uh, how I got to where I am now, um, which has been uh, a release of the mind noise and um, a full appreciation of the divine heart center. Um, So my life has been a a life of from pillar to post kind of thing. Many experiences, uh, several tragedies, things that uh, confused me in a way, but at the same time left me with a deeper understanding of uh, my experience walking the life path. And uh, I figured out that I am just a singular being that is having its own experience and what seemed to me to be important, the status quo of uh, the competition of life, reaching a certain status, all those things that society makes important suddenly became unimportant to me when things that were uh, falling in front of me were giving me the bigger picture of everything. And so for me, uh, you know, being born in the late 40s and this whole time has been a a great storm. Uh, And it is that energy, that friction that has actually turned the switch on into my heart center, which is where I live now 24-7 and uh, has been extraordinarily fulfilling. Being able to see... um, all of the little pictures around me that are no longer important as far as my life goes. But my heart center has allowed me to live in that huge universe that has experienced just flowing through consciousness. And consciousness has become a dear friend of mine. It's almost like a ride uh, 
on a merry-go-round, but instead of it going around and around and around, it's just flowing. The horses keep flowing forward and new experiences keep happening and I've just surrendered to it. And surrender is probably the one thing in my life that um, has given me the ability to accept and, and uh, have no resistance to what is going to happen next. So I'm very happy about that. Mm. Yes, I think it's uh, demonstrating a deep trust in life. And that's really what I feel we're being invited into with these letters is to trust life. It has its direction. It knows where it's going. It's a, an intelligence that has its own natural self-organizing way of uh, expansion and integration. And, um, yeah, the lack of resistance can can ease the transitions if we can see the bigger picture. And I love what you're sharing, Stefan, about the heart opening and the experiences of uh, tragedy and and loss that are involved in a lifetime and our experiences of those that crack us open to um, be more present and um, in a, a state of appreciation. And one of the terms that is used often in the book um, referencing the civilization 500 years in the future is the term appreciation and also this idea of soul gazing or source gazing is what it's referred to and um, I feel like the the piece that's here right now for me to point out before we open for questions is um, you know what what does it look like on the other side in the in the civilization 500 years from now? What is the the norm? What is the uh, paradigm? The awareness and how do people spend their time and how is that different than now? Robert, would you like to speak to that? Sure. Um, I have in my imagination visited that time, and I've also prepared a guided uh, meditation or a form of future hypnosis, uh, progressive hypnosis hypnosis to that year, which is, I think that's available on our blog site um, for for anybody, anybody to use. So anyone can experience this for themselves if they so choose. What I have felt and what every other person I know who has done this exercise has felt is a kind of freedom, a lightning, um, fresher, fresher air to breathe, uh, a greener world, uh, a happier, more fulfilling place in the moment. And um, I think that uh, one of the characteristics of the people who live there, and let me add this uh, footnote, they say that uh, they are a new species that the human race actually ends and transitions into a new species uh, simultaneously with our own existence. So it's not like we have to wait to be reborn to be in that species. All we have to do is wake up. And I think, uh, Cindy, you probably have some things to say about that genetic mutation that could happen instantaneously in us. So I think we're all on the um, threshold of that. So that's one of the characteristics of of being in that world where um, 
you're just a sense of newness at all times. But a more important thing is the sense of interconnectedness of all being. Uh, according to what I've felt and what I've been told, um, all beings feel they're opened up in that new world into a shared reality, a shared sense of oneness that uh, is at, the, at once uh, transcendental, but it also bleeds into each individual's experience of life. So the way we experience ego as a, a means of kind of identifying ourselves and defending ourselves and, in a sense, separating ourselves from other people's individuality is much less pronounced in that future world. There is a, much more of a sense of what am I doing in the world that is interrelating with others? What can I do to help them uh, first? And second, perhaps, is what, what can I do for myself? So we, what I've seen there is sort of a, a shift, a turning on its head, the sensibilities of our world where we look first to ourselves, our separate identity, and second, perhaps, to others. Well, it's the reverse in the future world, and um, they benefit greatly from that. There's no longer a sense of domination or one tribe defeating another. It's, it's more how can we work together to benefit everyone. And so they've done it. They've made a world that is um, a much nicer place to live. I mean, I could go on and on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and it's all in the book. So those that are interested in what that might look and feel like can look into um, reading the book. So I'll put a slide up of the trilogy of books. Of course, you have just completed your seventh book, but the trilogy are the first three books. And I have an image of those up on the screen, Letters from 500, Portal, and Amen. And I have a friend that I have shared these books with who's on the line, Julie, and um, I'd love it, Julie, if you want to speak uh, to your experience of these books I'll open your line. I'm going to put you on the spot, but uh, you're you're further ahead than I am in the books already because you've yeah. just had such an amazing uh, relationship to the material. We'd love to hear from you, Julie, if you'd like to say a few words. Thank you, Cindy. Um, I had a, uh, a real interesting observation this morning. I worked for the government, and um, I do believe that we're all in the midst of this storm, but but many of us don't know that we're in the midst of this storm. And um, I had a long meditation this morning before I went to work. And when I got to work, um, I had many people stop at my desk and just had had frantic weekends and um, were really quite racy. And um, I was very, very aware that people are experiencing this storm and that they're always looking for a calm within that storm, but they're always looking outside. And that the more that I can be calm, the more that I can stay inside of myself, as well as 
dig really, really deep, and I believe it's in the navel chakra. That's where it always seems to come from for me. And can hold steady the line that it gives opportunity to others to hold steady the line, but to see through the illusion that we're living through now. And I thought of a quote of Eckhart Tolle. I was so happy to see when Robert um, wrote in the first part of the book how how, um, Eckhart was such an important person to him because Eckhart's work was really powerful for me. And when I read the first book of yours, I had um, just on my own seen so many of the things you were speaking about. And I thought about how Eckhart had said that if we didn't come to a conscious awareness that our world would no longer be. And I think that there's kind of a paradox in that. I think if we don't come to a a conscious awareness, our world will no longer be. And if we do come to a conscious awareness, our world will no longer be. Because I think it's Mm. it's within all of us. Mm. Beautiful, Julie. That's good. I love a paradox. Very good. (laughs) One of the things I want to... But it's so simple. I'm sorry. So simple, yeah. So very simple, and yet so hard to do. Go ahead, Robert. I don't want to affirm. I'm going to say I don't want to affirm that it's hard to do. But um, the one thing I've noticed is from working at the government, when Obama was president, I could put my hands on my typewriter keys and feel a real sense of oneness and community. And then when we had the change in leadership, which I think is probably perfect in the storm we're in, I've noticed mm-hmm. uh, a totally different feeling when I put my hands on the keys and connect to the nation. The network. Oh. Well, that's, that's, that's a great sharing. Thank you so much for bringing that sure. forward. And both um, Robert and Stefan really lit up in that paradox you shared, so I'd love to have each of you speak to that. Let's have Stefan go first. Well, um, firstly, I want to say to the last thing that was said, uh, I think both uh, Obama and the present uh, administration are uh, being used in the storm as absolute wake-up calls to people that perhaps would never have taken uh, notice of it before. Now, one of the – I find that the first book uh, is a primer for me, and the three – Things that are mentioned in the book, um, you know, uh, that w- that we talk about, uh, which uh, are the advice that they're giving us. Um, the first one being to notice everything that's around you, to offer non-resistance to it, and to be authentic. Now, the reason it's a primer is because, and the reason it's so simple is deep in the heart, that seems to be the way we're all supposed to be. And this is what really blows my mind. In the past, we would talk about utopia and just laugh it off and say, oh, that's not possible. But in fact, the heart knows that it is possible. And if we just bring our life down into simplicity, into those states of noticing, offering no resistance and being authentic or truthful, then it seems that much more easy to get to that space. And, of course, Eckhart Tolle um, was the one that opened up that whole neighborhood to understanding that because living in the moment is exactly that. But 
life can be so much more easy if we just follow those three precepts. And for me, that has been what has taken me from the beginning of reading the book to where I am now. So simplicity, I would say, is the number one guidance point here. No, I would I would uh, add a little quote from Eckhart Tolle. What my absolute favorite of his is that which stands in the way is the way. And so when we feel the resistance, yes, we're advised to stop resisting. However, feeling the resistance and noticing it in the first place is important because it is actually a way to open ourselves to the authenticity inside so i'm i'm encouraged when i have a problem if i can actually be present with it and not just be frustrated by it um if i see the problem in myself i know in, innately that okay this is what i'm supposed to be doing and dealing with right now in a in an inner way in a spiritual way not necessarily trying to use my mind to figure out a solution but to go into it and through it and that is the way. And I've experienced that so many times. It is so rewarding to turn a problem into an opportunity that way. Is there mm-hmm. another part of your yeah. question, Cindy? <laughs> <laughs> well, I I love that. I feel like when I'm experiencing resistance or frustration or the pressure of confusion and doubt, it's because there's a greater perspective trying to get to my awareness, but my current perspective is too tight. You know, it's not allowing it in. There's not enough spaciousness uh, to allow this bigger reality, bigger, I don't know if bigger is the word, but this this other wisdom that's um, available, that it's, everything's available all the time, but our perspective and where we're placing our attention tunes out certain aspects of it and then we're feeling that resistance and struggle and um, like you say if we give our attention to it and see that what's in the way the confusion and the doubt is the way that it can dissolve and relax the the tight muscles of our perspectives to open to uh, the insight that wants to be integrated into our our creative movement in the world and connect us to the resources available not just in this world as a physical resource but also the non-physical resources of guidance that's available to us from uh, other perspectives that uh, aren't as limited in in uh, the cognitive architecture of being in a body well, I love what well, Julie, Julie said. Uh, sorry. I love what Julie said about touching the keyboards and feeling the energy coming through. I had never thought about that, but it just makes so much sense that it's a two-way communication through our sensitivity. So our bodies are receiving all kinds of inputs in many, many ways, as, as you're saying, Cindy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I would like to definitely have in common. <laughs> I just wanted to offer uh, something on that line as well. Um, in my photography work, um, when I, 
I got to a certain point where the camera became an extension of my inspiration as soon as I let go. And it was no longer an ego thing to try and take uh, the best picture or, uh, you know, uh, be the best photographer. So when you're working with a client, for example, and you lose that ego sense of trying to do the best shot and you just allow your inspiration and the zone that you can get in because you understand your instrument so well. And then the surrender to it. That is the most beautiful nuanced thing there is. I mean, it just becomes so open and there's all this freedom. And I think that we have been blessed with this um, through understanding that the great storm is here to teach, not to destroy. So uh, for me, I'm very optimistic about uh, what's happening and, and, and what will be next. Um, and, you know, everybody has their own way of looking at it. But, uh, again, inspiration for me brings that optimism into play and um, it, it then makes it a good day. And that energy that keyboard energy is, is, is so strong. And uh, let's remember that every ripple that we create as a being ripples out to others. So, you know, I think the books help us set examples for the kind of lives we really want to live. Our soul wants to have us live. So, hmm. um, so yeah. good. So much of what you're saying is pinging in my awareness a lot of connections as well, Stefan, about the keyboard and what Julie brought in and Robert has tapped into as well with this keyboard and my understanding of how genetics is related to language and, the, and of course, a keyboard is related and connected to how we string language together and form words, which are vehicles for consciousness, for frequency. Uh, and again, it's another instrument of transmission. And as you talk about your photography and your uh, instruments and your, your camera, you know, we just bring it right to the very physical body as an instrument. It's just the most highly evolved technology we have on the planet are these bodies and uh, that they are that instrument for uh, allowing the transmission um, of the formless world into form, into manifested form. And, of course, there's a genetic component related to all that and has to do with uh, the sharing of information and how I see when we come to a crisis, people are more willing to come together and share and support each other. And it's sometimes, you know, uh, a necessity to uh, have some form of a crisis to bring people together to see how we're the same at the basic level instead of focusing so much on our differences and uh, trying to um, protect that through that ego structure, which is a great piece of what's talked about in The Great Storm is the the undoing of the ego. I, I think that there's still a bit of an ego uh, in the 500-year paradigm, but it's certainly not um, the limitation that it is now on our oneness 
and I'm going to have Robert speak to that. Before I do, I'd love to just invite anybody who would like to share to raise your hand by pushing star 2 on your keypad. That way I'll see that you have a comment or a question. And then anybody who uh, is on, listening on the webcast, you're welcome to type your question in, and I'll read those out loud for Robert and Stefan to speak to. So, Robert, did you have anything to add to what I just said before we open the line? Well, I just want to highlight again the word appreciation when I first asked Orange what the difference was between our two species. She just came up with that one word, and that uh, that kind of says it all. Uh, the, where we're headed is into a world of wide open appreciation, which, um, you know, if you look at that, what that word means, it, it really boils down to adding value at every opportunity to what we experience. And that, uh, I think, means touching our authenticity and putting ourselves into it at the same time reaching out into what's surrounding us. So we're, um, I think we have a, uh, a sense that that's uh, the direction, at least that's certainly what I feel we're moving into at all times. I, I see it today, even even in the, the stormy times we have, I, I see so much more appreciation happening in our society around the world as well. So, you know, for instance, in the Me Too movement, that's just one example. I think uh, equality among the genders is so important. Uh, it is a balancing spiritually within each individual, not just in society, but it's both those things. So when we see it happening, that equality emerging, it's a kind of appreciation that we are sharing in all of us. Hmm. Very important. I want to open the line for Hillary. Thank you for being here, dear. Welcome to the call. Hi, Cindy. Thank you so much. I was not meant to be here today, but I was meant to be here because I had an appointment canceled. And I'm so grateful because I'm sitting here almost in tears of gratitude because I received such a shock this morning. And I'm staring at the, at the computer screen. And here um, you're all talking about this interconnectedness of all beings and this coming together. Well, um, I am originally from South Africa, and I have an apartment that I rent out in Cape Town, and Cape Town is in a crisis situation right now where they are shutting off the taps of uh, 4 million people, and people will have no water in their homes or wherever they are for about the next, at least until 2021. And so this morning, I received a memo from the city of Cape Town which is a 10-point contingency plan talking about how to handle this. And point number six, and I'm going to read it. It's very short because this is exactly what you were talking about, and this is exactly the wording of the city leaders in Cape Town today. So point number six of the 10 plan says, if I'm not strong enough to fetch and lift my city allocation of water, how will I get water? There will be 200 checkpoints around the city of Cape Town for 4 million people to share. During times of crisis, we need to look after each other more than ever, especially people who are elderly and not able to get water from the new sources that become available. Whatever happens, it is likely that you will have to queue, carry, 
and in some cases treat your own water. We're going to need to get to know our neighbors better and assist them where possible. You might have an elderly neighbor, neighbor who is not on social media and doesn't have access to this information. Please print it out for them and start the conversation about looking out for each other. We'll be making detailed suggestions soon about what neighborhoods can do to get ready to get through the crisis together. If you are worried about your own ability to fetch or carry water, start speaking to friends, neighbors, and family now. Isn't that incredible? I'm so emotional. And I'm so oh, I'm yes. feeling it. <laughs> I'm emotional, too. Oh, my yeah, God, that's fantastic. Yeah, and this, this is today from Cape Town, for, you know, affecting 4 million people. So it's just right here, clearing the storm. These things are meant to happen, and I'm just so glad to have this clarity. And I've already started emailing and texting my friends, sharing this call, and go get this book, go get this trilogy. <laughs> this is where we're supposed mm. to be. So thank you for that. Incredible. Thank you. Thank but you know, it's these, it's, it's these tears of understanding because it brought me to tears yes. when you were reading it. And exactly. it's these tears of understanding that can absolutely bring us together and give us an understanding of what we're supposed to really be doing with each other. And that's it. I mean, we do come together in crisis. And crisis is a beautiful wedding ring. <laughs> it really yes. is. It's a beautiful wedding ring. So. Thank you. Wow. That was awesome. Thank you. Thank you, you, Hillary. Hmm. I pause and I just feel the need to pause on on that note. And my sense is that I've had an awareness that there was going to be a water crisis on this planet, that there already is, and the fact that it's being brought into awareness on this call, I think that it's just the beginning of a crisis that will be spreading beyond South Africa. And uh, another piece of clarity in in this conversation, a, a sobering one, but yet within that crisis that if we weren't aware of the bigger picture of what the message of these books are bringing, these letters are bringing about the great storm and how um, the intention of that, we wouldn't see the opportunity in the crisis of coming together. But I love that the leadership was able to convey that in the message on point six of look out for each other, especially those that can't look out for themselves. That's really, feels really powerful. One of the things that's coming to my mind right now is that um, in times of crisis, the spirit comes much closer to us and to our leadership and that we can take hope that as the crisis increases, as you're pointing out, Cindy, that our leadership will get more focused and more compassionate and integrated with the actual needs of people. So I'm I'm confident that that is happening too in the future, in the, the near future. Mm-hmm. Yes. And also 
piece that I am tracking here with the genetic mutation happening in the species is that the newer generations, the younger generations, coming in with a different level of consciousness that will eventually be replacing the current leadership, which is of a um, a different orientation and consciousness. And so I see that um, we're going to have leaders that are coming from a paradigm of seeing themselves as part of a bigger, you know, a part of a much bigger whole, like a body within a larger body, and that the concerns for these younger generations that I have the opportunity to work with on a regular basis um, is a concern for the earth um, and the well-being of the planet, which is really heartwarming to to see the the movement um, in that direction and and to see it move into uh, our government and um, our policy decisions on policies and it brings to mind some things I've read in the book about that uh, connection to the environment and um, I wonder Robert if you or Stefan would like to share anything about how the the vigilons is what they call themselves 500 years in the future mm-hmm. relate to the earth the planet well stemming from their appreciation of uh, the sense of the whole of the underlying oneness um, there's no separation no no sense of living apart from nature so what you do to I think Chief Seattle uh, is a quote he talks about the web of life and whatever you do to one part of the web it connects to everything else that I have that on the wall of my house and uh, that quote and it, it's just um, that's the way that the vigilants look at nature it's part of themselves they don't I mean they do respect independence but it's uh, it's not a separated independence it's a whole different way of of relating and caring for nature so a lot of the problems we're experiencing environmentally today are, I won't say solved, it's just like transformed, I think is a better word. The problems have uh, stood in the way because of our consciousness. But once our consciousness stops embracing the negativity and the problem and the separation, the solutions are all there. We don't have to fear that we're destroying the planet because we once we wake up, the planet mm-hmm. will be us. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Yes. On that note, I'd love to share yeah. this last. Oh, Stefan, you, would you like to? I just wanted to make one uh, thought there. Um, I live, uh, or we live in a small town on the Delaware River, uh, on the Jersey, uh, in New Jersey. And the town is a very artsy kind of town with, uh, uh galleries and, uh, little shops. And the town has a consciousness of it, of its own where it's, 
has pride in the fact that there's beauty around itself. So the beauty is inherent in the nature that's here. But the people that live in the town have appreciation for the beauty that is really overwhelming. For example, we have a bridge, a small bridge, traffic bridge, that goes across from New Jersey to Pennsylvania. And we're at a part of the Delaware River that's uh, very rural. So uh, there's no towns. It's not like Trenton or anything like that. And one can walk onto the bridge into the center and just watch the Delaware flow past and look up on both sides and see the hills and the mountains. And there's a feeling, and this is where noticing comes in, that when you stand there in a state of silence and just notice what's around you, it brings you to a space of incredible appreciation. And it opens up that space in the heart, that that love that's bigger than the human love pours through. And hence, you can go to those early levels of bliss that Robert was talking about by being in that space. Um, so it's very appreciated. Mm. Very appreciated. Thank you. I just love that you brought in the word bridge here because that's what when Robert and Stefan and I were connecting before the call, that's what I was seeing was a bridge that was connecting those of us here in physical embodiment on the planet with the conversation with ourselves um, in other dimensions. And, and that, as you also mentioned, the heart, I see that that, the heart is the bridge between the lower three dimensions and the upper three in the chakra center. And this idea that you're standing in the center of the bridge with appreciation is everything you have been saying from the beginning in this conversation, Stefan, about the heart. And so I just want to reflect that back and say a, a, that's a, a great a place of uh, appreciation is in the heart. Of course, it exists everywhere. Uh, but to be seated in the heart with that is a very, it's like the fulcrum of the cosmos within our body. Uh, I want to share this last paragraph in the first book because it does speak to this oneness and this idea of really being one with the environment and the the holographic nature of our reality. It says, the whole of existence is embodied in our individual experience of being born, living, dying, being born again, dying again, and finally moving on into greater awareness. This happens in one person's lifetime, in the larger collective sequence of growth in a species, and in all the vast, vast life of the cosmos. The pattern is replicated even in a single day of ordinary incarnate life. In all things, great and small, in all that transcends form and manifestation, the patterns and cycles are integrated and harmonious. We are sharing one grand consciousness, one life system, and one immaculate appreciation of it all. We are indeed truly one. Wow. Do you remember writing? Do you remember writing that, Robert? I remember reading it. 
I honestly don't remember <laughs> writing these things, but you know, I, I appreciate it. <laughs> wow! It comes, it comes. It comes from beyond me. Yeah. But I certainly stand by it. <laughs> Amen. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Thank you for reading that, Cindy. That. Uh, yeah, that was beautiful. Right. I love it. Well, we're going to wrap things up. It's been a pleasure. And go ahead, Robert. You had something else to add. No, I'm just going to express gratitude again. Thank you so much, everyone who who called in and listened in. It's a wonderful thing to be part of all of you. Mm. Yeah. And uh, for those interested in the books, you can start with the first book called Letters from 500, and you can find them at lettersfrom500.com, also on Amazon. I would encourage you to check out the blog, lettersfrom500.com. Stefan is adding regular posts, and it's a wonderful resource. You have followers from around the world. Do you want to say a little bit about your following, Stefan? Well, I don't really know these folks because, uh, as I was mentioning earlier to you before we got on, uh, very few people leave comments. They just come through. But uh, since I do have a mapping of who is coming onto the blog, it's become global. And it's in areas where there perhaps is the greatest chaos going on at the moment. But people are reaching out to find these spaces uh, on the web that uh, are comforting and bringing this kind of information to them so uh, they could have a little more peace of mind. And I'm so grateful for that. So, uh, And I'm so grateful to you, Cindy, for allowing us to uh, have this moment of openness uh, and uh, just remember, we are really all a part of each other. So we should appreciate all of that and, and live, live our lives uh, knowing that each and every day we all are a part of each other. Hmm. Thank you for that. Yes, I feel chills all over my body. It's good, even though, yeah. I don't like to be cold. This feels good. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you're in sunny California, so. I am. I am, and I welcome. I know. It's it's beautiful here. And I will say, I'm going to put this slide up again, this uh, picture that I had when I asked Robert to speak about his um, experience on the beach. This is a picture of where I live on the beach on the central coast of California. It's my favorite beach, and I go there regularly. And so I I welcome my future self to communicate with me there. I'll just put it out there. And um want to also um, share that I feel like this material has really called me out of a, a semi-retirement or sabbatical from doing interviews. I had taken a couple years off and just was so inspired by this material. I thought that 
maybe I'd like to start holding conversations again because I feel that just holding space for these conversations and sharing is really seeding the field, if you will, for the things that we're talking about to actually become a tangible reality, not just a intellectual idea, but to really have conversations is really tuning the genetic material within us to entrain to the experiences we're talking about. And so I'd love to continue to host conversations like this, and I will definitely be inviting the two of you back and and anyone interested in, in continuing. And also I'll be hosting other conversations along these lines at my website, metaphysicalwisdom.com. It's an initiative for promoting, networking, and sharing information, ideas, and people whose time has come. And I'm just so grateful that you all shared this time and space with us and contributed your energy. And in this day and age, we have a lot of things pulling at our energy and our time and our attention, and that you chose to spend this hour with us. So not gone unnoticed or, or unappreciated. It's with... Uh, great appreciation that uh, we're all together at this time acknowledging each other for our sensitivity to what wants to be known and experienced in our reality. So thank you all. Thank you, Cindy. Thank you, Cindy. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.